0: Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Ron. So I'm tickled. We're going to get a chance to chat something through, and I have a perfect case study for you. I think this one's really going to push you. So this will be exciting. Ready? Ready. Okay. So I was just talking to a guy this week, and uh, I've been coaching him for a while—not too terribly long. He has a history of coaches, and more importantly, what he has in his own words is he has a he has a history of suffering at length, um, the, short, the short story would be that he just cannot seem to make peace with how his life is or what his life ought to be. And as a result, um, he would say that he spends at least, well, both professionally and personally, he would say he spends a lot of time suffering because he can't seem to get on board with whatever his life is or whatever he thinks his life should be. So, so what do you know about people who are long-suffering? <laughs>
1: well, gosh, um I know quite a few people who are long suffering and I know a lot of people who who do seem to suffer really needlessly and uh, from an outsider perspective um and maybe uh-huh. even from their own perspective um you had some some interesting phrases he can't make peace with his life or or the the life he thinks he should have and and so, I guess that's the that's what caught my attention first is, um, what you know, what would peace look like to him? You know, sometimes I think we suffer because we get into uh, a bit of a it, it's such a routine we don't even realize unless we're talking with a coach or someone else we don't even you know we we lose perspective. So that idea of uh, we realize when we talk to someone else, wow, I I really am suffering a lot. Um, And so, I guess my first thought is, if he if he didn't have to suffer, what would he have instead? And um, I I was talking to a client recently and. there are these ISIS attacks and of course the the media is sensationalizing them and you know it and, and this woman lives in a very remote part of the Midwest farmland. I mean there are more cows and, and farm implements than people <laughs> in this area. And she's concerned that ISIS is gonna this this you know Middle Eastern terrorist group is gonna come and get her and her family. Um and and so she She is suffering incredibly um, by all these imaginations, these what ifs. So, I guess reflecting back, it sounds like your client is long suffering with this sense that he can't have peace because life isn't the way he wants it. But I think we also encounter people who are suffering because of all these imagined what ifs um, as a result of external things like like environment so um i I guess that's the the first thought is where are our perceptions incorrect that are causing us to feel this sense of suffering and and life isn't the way we want it um i don't know what do you think about all that reflection ron
0: well, I get two themes out of that that I'd like you to say a little bit more about. One is, all right, so you're describing a mismatch between uh, expectation and reality. Okay, I mean,
1: mm-hmm. some
0: kind of a some kind of a mismatch, whether perceived or or or, or could be real or could be imagined, uh, regardless. The other one that struck me that you said just a little bit earlier on. Was almost sounded like the question of whether or not he is attached to his identity as a sufferer. When you said, um, you know, who, essentially, who would he be if not he who suffers? Mm-hmm. Uh, so those seem like two different themes. Maybe let's 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 take the first. Let's take the last one first. This idea of a mismatch between, let's just say, expectation and reality. Then let's come back to that. Uh, identification with um, uh, with being the sufferer. So, so what about this mismatch, Karen? How do you how do you fix a mismatch between one's expectations and reality, or one's perception and reality?
1: Hmm. Well, gosh. So, identity usually comes from somewhere. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, um, in in my life, my mom was a worrier um and so i guess you could say that's a form of suffering where she worried about anything and everything if she didn't have something to worry about in her in her near life she would worry in in concentric circles outward <laughs> about the world so um you know maybe sometimes we are attached to this identity as a sufferer because that's who we are in our families and in our relationships um you know if you come from a family of sufferers you got to suffer to fit in so that might be mm-hmm. one place that we get that identity another might be that we get some um what's called secondary gain um if i have a really big problem um, mm. Other people um you know give me love and compassion, like wow that 's really tough you know uh, again it 's sort of bonding over a problem it's just um I become separate and special because i I suffer um and it might give me an excuse to not participate fully in life or um you know to hold myself back or to um you know just keep from being fully who i am capable of being which might be a little scary or uncertain or whatever it, it, even if i'm suffering at least i know how to do suffering i i got that <laughs> down pat <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there uh, there's some things like that um that that your client is dealing with as as you think about the conversation with him or any of those possible for him
0: Sure well I think he uh he picked up as a as a child you know what, what I might call a he he had a role of being a sufferer um it's not yet clear to me exactly why he had that role but it sure looks to me like it was foisted upon him or he adopted it one or the other so that that would actually seem to be pretty true this idea that he he doesn't know who else to be except he who suffers um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the role. He's uh, what, 38, 39 years old, and so, you know, he's been he's been playing that role for more than three decades, it appears to me. So when he comes and asks the question uh, of me, it's like, well, well, why do I always have to suffer? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that is, isn't that the question? Why do you have to <laughs> suffer? Right? I mean, isn't that really what we're saying, is that to examine why it is you are um, attached to that role? And here's what's funny about that is what I realize as we're talking about Karen is what he then does is he externalizes the cause. Okay? You got Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. What he does is I'm suffering, and then he starts looking outwardly for the cause of his suffering, um, you know, whatever ISIS or some external factor, mm-hmm. like your like your client, so he looks for an external source of his suffering, which is a complete distraction because the source of his suffering appears to be internally generated. How's that for a how's that for a diagnosis?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and what a great question. Why do I have to suffer? I, I love how you turned that back toward him, and. Also as long as the source is outside of us we're waiting for the external world to change. And boy he's been right. for a long wait there. Um and and so recognizing that you know as, as the old saying is happiness is an inside game. Um mm-hmm. there was something else that struck me though when you said that is and and I heard a a Great quote from an, an author, and I don't—I know I don't have it quite right, but if—if—if if, if everything that I've lived up to this point is an illusion, if—if if I didn't have to suffer, if—if mm-hmm. I—if I realize I've created it all, then what does that mean about me in the last forty years of my life? You know, like mm-hmm. it. it totally shatters everything that i've imagined to be true mm-hmm. and most people's psyches have trouble with that and so mm-hmm. if we if we're suffering we in in order to make sense of it we have to find a cause and so we cast about looking for what that cause might be and if mm-hmm. you say hey there was never a cause <laughs> you just made it all up I mean, who who can handle that after you know twenty, forty, sixty years? So mm-hmm. so that might be some of what's going on for your client too. Is is the you know sometimes as life gets better, mm-hmm. and we have less. Uh, there's a wonderful song on the internet by Karen Drucker. I've lost the right to sing the blues, and the idea is when life gets this good, you just can't complain anymore. You you can't sing the blues. <laughs> but but so people's lives you know maybe over time improve and then they have to work mm-hmm. harder and harder like you know my client she's actually got a really wonderful life but she's casting about looking for something else to worry about
0: mm-hmm. um, so how do you so so how do you then handle <clears throat> assuming that it's that it's typical how would you handle generally speaking Um, So the person is typically coming in with what they believe to be an externalized cause. There's something out there that is causing me to suffer. This is probably larger, potentially, even than suffering. It probably is true of many things. Mm -hmm. So so how do you – and this sort of is like, okay, so this is the coachable moment for those who are listening. So, like, how do you direct one's attention from an external cause to an internal cause – and then once you've got your eyes set on you know what's within you uh what do you do with it
1: uh that's a great question ron so let's bring it down into you know kind of our our advice step by step and i guess mm-hmm. the the first thing is as as your client did to recognize you know hey i am suffering to to even create that awareness like hmm I am mm-hmm. suffering, and i don't want to be doing this anymore <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so you first have to make that decision i don 't want this anymore um, mm-hmm. and and because without the awareness and the choice you you know you're just in it you're the fish in the water, mm-hmm. um, so that to me that would come first, and then the second step is to kind of take a step back and say wow where have i been focusing my attention that mm-hmm. causes me to suffer and and i call that sort of taking responsibility for what's happening within you mm-hmm. um so again just as if you're not aware you can't you can't change something if you don't take responsibility you can't change it and, and mm-hmm. so to create that awareness, it says, what's the pattern of thoughts and meanings and behaviors that I've been doing that's causing this outcome? And so, so instead of desperately casting about for the thing out there that explains how we're feeling inside, we take responsibility that I created this feeling inside. Um, Jack Canfield calls it, Uh, He's got a little formula, um, E plus R equals O. Event plus um, our response equals the outcome. We can't change Mm. the event, but we can change our response to the event, and that changes Mm -hmm. the outcome. And he calls that Mm -hmm. responsibility. (laughs) So um, (laughs) the more we... Uh, choose to um, take responsibility for mm-hmm. our feelings, our thoughts, that sort of thing. I think the more we're on the path, and then to you know to to choose something different. Say, okay, what do I have to change inside of me, or what do what can I control outside of me that mm-hmm. would give me more of what I do want. Mm-hmm. Hmm. If if what I'm doing isn't getting what I want, then what do I have to change to get what I do want? So I'm sorry, Ron, I talked over you.
0: Well, no, I was going to say that was was actually both uh, 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 an approach to the steps approach to how one does this. It was also a very sort of effective way forward in summary for for what happens when people suffer uh, and it being internally sourced as opposed to externally. So I... I actually have a, a closing question for you, which is knowing that people who suffer, um, I mean let's face it, they're suffering. So what what thoughts do you have, let's say, from an empathetic or compassionate point of view about those who suffer who come to us, either as coaches or even if even if we're just, you know, loving friends and supporters, what do you what's the perspective on compassion and empathy for those who suffer?
1: Mm-hmm a great question and you know there are people who are legitimately suffering you know people in the in the throes of of serious illness or you know big financial setbacks or you know true truly difficult situations who yeah um what is it uh was it the buddha who said um you know pain is inevitable suffering is optional um or mm-hmm. something along those lines so mm-hmm. uh, life is going to have pain in it it's our framing of it that makes it suffering um and and but i think that pain brings us as humans together mm-hmm. i mean think about 911 mm. and i mean that was tremendous pain and, mm-hmm. and in order to help alleviate that pain, um, humanity came together to reduce the suffering. And I think when we do come together and we have compassion and empathy and we support each other and we care about each other, you know, if, if this, if your client is using suffering as a, as a way to try to get love and attention and connection then gosh what if he could get it without suffering mm-hmm. you know what if he could get it through being happy and and fulfilled and um you know in service to others instead of being separate and holding back so mm-hmm. that's how i would relate the the idea of compassion and empathy You know, let's do more of that without, as as a way to address pain, and so we don't have to have pain and suffering as a way to connect. So those are my closing thoughts, Ron. What are yours?
0: Well, I was gonna. You you mentioned the Buddha, so I'm gonna I'm gonna offer this as a final thought, and uh, I'm gonna go back to the you know the heart of Buddhism. What I heard you saying is, what a great place for us to practice loving kindness with others. Um, the ability to just treat them with kindness because you know if they 're suffering they 're suffering rightly or wrongly, and at least we can treat them kindly while we listen or support them so um seems to me that that 's a that 's a fine take home for all of us so karen it 's been fun as always yes, thanks thank for you, Ron. Uh, thanks for thanks for playing <laughs> thank you uh, talk to you soon.